So tonight's study is called um, A Soldier of Christ Kingdom Perspective. It's a second Timothy uh, 1 through 4 breakdown. Um, but it also parallels with 1 Peter 1 through 5. Um, in 2 Timothy, Paul is imprisoned for his faith, for he's being persecuted. He had been persecuted by Nero um, and put in jail. And he's writing this letter to Timothy um, to share some of the stuff that he had been through for his son in the faith to be able to walk it out. And, um, and so soon after he writes this letter, Paul is beheaded for his faith, um, for standing in what he stood in and believed in. In 1 Peter 1 through 5, the writing of Peter there is similar. It's preparation for a soldier in Christ. And what he talks about, he's talking about it kind of parallels to today, some of the stuff that we see um, happening. There were riots. There was um, police uh, enforcement. There were uh, slanderous things going on. And all this was happening. And it wasn't due to um, a wide across the board persecution of Christians. It was due because in, in First Peter because of people trying to live out their faith in a hostile world. And so we're going to camp out in Second Timothy um, and a soldier of Christ. And I've broken it down into the call, um, into the character, the charge, and the caution. We probably won't get through um, all of it, but we'll get some. And if I encourage you, don't take my word for it. Study out the scripture for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you um, in what he has for you guys to see in this word. The truly powerful disciple is not the one with a strong following or protectors, but rather the one that relies on and points to Jesus Christ in his carrying strength, power, love, grace, and mercy in and through it all. The call is to courage and faithfulness. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In the 8th verse it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Why? Because the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Why? The cross was considered foolishness. You know, that was man's wisdom to take someone to the cross and humiliate them like that. But God took what man considered foolishness and he used it to save people and set people free. That's what the power of this word is, a soldier of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 7, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What's Paul saying there? He, the way he ran before he met Christ was different than the way he ran after he met Christ and was taught, retaught by the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing when we're of old creation and we come into new creation. The way we ran before, there should be a difference in the way we're running after we've 
met Christ and been crucified at the cross. We go from glory to glory, growth to growth. Not the old anymore, but once you meet Christ and you understand that Paul talks in 1 Timothy how he was the worst sinner of the worst. You know, when you realize you have nothing to bring to the cross, nothing, nothing to bring to Jesus Christ except empty hands and surrender. And the chains start to fall. And you start to realize the one who gave his life for you, not at your best, but at your worst. I wasn't churched. My background, I was not churched. And part of me, I'm thankful for that. Because it opened me more up to a Savior that could love me no matter what. You see, it's not about where our feet have been. It's about where the feet of Jesus Christ carried the cross to Calvary and was nailed for each and every one of us in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We stop there on that scripture and we don't go any further. That God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that men would be saved. But they chose the darkness. Before I got saved, I chose the darkness over the light. I made that choice. But then I got saved. I met Jesus Christ. Almost like Paul's Damascus moment in my backyard. And surrendered everything and said, I didn't want anything that wasn't of him to take it all. Whatever it wasn't of him, I didn't want it. And walked away. And the chains fell from within. The scales over the heart of my eyes fell. And I came to know for the first time in my life who I was in Christ. And it was not what I had believed all my life. Or what others had told me all my life. But what my Savior said about me. And it changes people. It sets people free. Let me tell you, the love of God will never keep you bound. Never keep you bound. The love of God will set you free. For who would give his son? You all have children in here, right? Or grandchildren. Would you give any one of your grandchildren or your children to go to the cross for someone to have them remain bound? No, you wouldn't. But God gave his son, even knowing some would reject him. Some would reject him. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful that out of all the untruth that I believe that God's grace and mercy to give me time to sit at his feet and let his word wash over me and teach me and guide me and lead me through the Holy Spirit to have a love for his word, a love for his people, a love to share for people to get set free, a truth in love that doesn't keep people bound. Faithfulness, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which you have been entrusted with. We've gotten a treasure that is not like the treasure that we get in the world. This treasure we have within is a treasure that no one can steal, only if we choose to allow them to steal it. This treasure lives on. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, and faithfulness. Against such things there is no law. And we've all been crucified, for we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave up himself for us. Who does that? Who does that willingly? We hear Pastor Brett oftentimes say, you get a hangnail and you think you're being persecuted. You know, you have this happen, you think you're getting persecuted. Listen, I've been persecuted for the stand that I've taken. When you come out of darkness and you take that stand, that's not who I am, that's not who I ever was, and you're not going to tell me any differently, that that love that I thought was love is not love. It was lust. It was lust. And when Christ gets a hold of you, you realize what true love really is. Between a male and a female, a covenant marriage, even adultery, is not of God. It is not a covenant. It is a union. It is not a covenant marriage. Why do we have it so prevalent? Why are the things that the world lives in becoming so predominant in the church because we're afraid to speak on it? We're afraid to say that there's freedom. We're afraid to say that how we walk it out in new creation is not by systems that man has put in place to change behaviors, but by the Holy Spirit from within to guide and lead us through and in it all that changes it. You don't want it anymore. It falls off. You don't want it. And there's testimony after testimony in here where chains fell off and they, people walked away from stuff and they didn't want it anymore. And this is what Paul's telling Timothy. Pay attention because there will be deceitful doctrines, deception. I sat in a false church and I watched person after person, pastor after pastor, walk across there denouncing their faith to line up with the worldly truth. And I knew in my heart I needed to get out. I knew, and I left. If we think that we are so far up that we can't be deceived by what the, the lie that the enemy's rolling. Listen, I saw 30, 40 men and women who used to stand in the truth of what this word taught fall to the deception. And this is what this is teaching, what Timothy is teaching as a soldier in Christ. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, many think, as I used to think, before I met Christ, that I could just live however I want, sloppy grace. But let me tell you something. Let me share with you that his grace is not sloppy. His grace is beautiful and goes into the very depths of the ugliest places to pull people out and save them and set them free. Amen. It is not to keep people bound. It is not to entice. It is not to say, okay, it's okay, and pet it and stay, stay there. That's not the love of God. That is not the love of God. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Satan has a plan. Satan's plan is to get the people of God eyes off of Jesus Christ and off of what the church is supposed to be doing, which God's will is that none perish but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God's will is that we're healed. God's will is that we're whole. God's will is that we're delivered. God's will is that we receive his son freely and not from a work-based life. God's will is for us to be sanctified. God's will is for us to be holy and blameless and beyond reproach in and through and by and from his son Jesus Christ according to Colossians 1, 20 through 23. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we have peace. By the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We're reconciled to God. Then he goes on to say that by his bodily crucifixion on the cross, we stand before God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. How do we walk out new creation? By believing the truth of who we already are. We're holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And the good work that he's began in each one of us, he's faithful to finish. Gives us the power to step through when the wiles of the devil comes and says whatever he's going to say. My God is faithful. Even when I'm faithless. Because my faith is Christ. There's so much confusion on faith. Mustard seed. Well, why is he saying mustard seed? He says a mustard seed because the faith is Christ. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the writer of our faith. If, if, if it becomes about my faith, it becomes how much faith do I have to have to, in order to get that healing? How much faith do I have to have to have this or get that? My faith is in Christ first and foremost. And out of that, you start to walk according to what your faith is. You start to walk it out. He handled this. Oh, I can, I can keep moving forward. And that's how Paul was able to keep moving forward. His faith was in Christ alone. The characters of a soldier, there's seven, there's seven characteristics of a soldier of Christ. And they go from 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 26. They are strong. They are single-minded. They are strict. They are secure. They are sound of faith. They are sanctified. They are servants. They are strong. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Why was Paul giving this directive to Timothy? Because many had turned their back on Paul. Many of them had an opportunity to come alongside Paul and help him, and they chose not to. And so at the very end of his life, he had very few around him. Doesn't that sound familiar? At the cross, Jesus had very few around him. And it was that same way with all the disciples. There were very few around them. They didn't want to be around Paul because if they went around Paul, whatever he was being persecuted for, they didn't want to get caught up in it. They didn't want to be persecuted. So we're not going to stand with you, Paul. We're going to take a backside. And he had very few that came alongside of him. But Paul refused to be moved from his stand. And he's sharing that with Timothy. Whatever it is, Timothy, don't get moved from your stand in faith in Christ. Stand firm. 
in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 through 25, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. There's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. And godly wisdom comes only through Christ and in Christ and from Christ. It's God's wisdom through the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure we're lining up worldly wisdom and godly wisdom because they're entirely different, entirely different. And that's what Paul's telling him. But we preach Christ crucified. Why? Because we need to remember every single time the enemy comes with a lie, Revelations 12, 11. For we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we did not love our lives even when faced with death. It's got nothing to do with my testimony of where my feet have been, but it's got everything to do with the testimony of where my Savior's feet has been for me and been resurrected to life. See, every place that my feet have been in past, those are all dead things. They're no longer alive. Once I came in Christ, they became dead, and I was made alive to Christ. Why do we have people still floating around things back here? Because they don't believe that those things are dead. But they are dead in Christ. And we're made alive to and for the things of God. That's where we see the change. You wouldn't have seen me before this being in the Word as much as I was in the Word. You wouldn't have even seen me. You would have seen me get a give a message, but it would not have been this message. It would have been, hey, you know what? That's where you're bound in. That's okay. You're going to go to heaven anyway. And then I met Jesus. And just like Paul on the Damascus Road, that all changed. And praise God it did. And praise God he opened my eyes and he gave me um, the wisdom and the knowledge that he has given me. In 1 Corinthians 2, 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Faith without action, it's no good. So if I'm still dead in the junk that I was in, and I'm professing to be a believer, there's no power there. That's not power. That's not God's power. He says, come as you are, but he was not going to let me stay there. He was not going to let me stay there because that's not who he is. But he is faithful to lead someone out of that to the other side and set them free. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is, he is the head over the rule and authority. He is the head and the rule over the authority of the earth and heaven, but not of this world. Satan's the ruler of this world. The prince of the air is the ruler of this world, not God. And his word's clear on that, that Jesus Christ is the authority over heaven and earth. And he's given us the authority to go out into the world, not be of the world, but go out into the world and take authority back and teach people and make disciples. A disciple 
is someone who is taught by their commander. My commander is Jesus Christ. Now, he may send people around me to, to help guide and lead me and teach me, but ultimately, my teacher, when I go back, my teacher becomes the Holy Spirit, and he guides me through that to teach me what I need to know. Because what I'm teaching you from up here, you may, these bits and pieces may be good for you, but there may be more God wants to have you see through his Holy Spirit when you sit down with him. And that's what the importance is. We want to be fed, but we're unwilling to be self-fed. And there's no power. Some of what he has talked to me about and given me revelation in isn't power for you because it was his word to me through the Holy Spirit. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time to take a stand and get in the word and find out what the Holy Spirit is telling you for such a day as this and for such a time as this because each one of us are going to operate differently but together as one. We have different gifts, each one of us. We may have the same teaching gift, but we will not operate the same. That's why comparisons gets wiped out, because we will not operate the same way. I may have, I have a preaching gift, but I will not operate the same way as Pastor Brett or anybody else, and he will not operate the same way as I do. And I'm okay with that. And we need to be okay with that, to be able to flow in what he has for us, because we cannot attain something that's for someone else. They are single-minded. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. The one who has enlisted you is the God of all creation has enlisted. To entangle means to get so wrapped up in your livelihood that you don't have time or we don't have time for God, for anything of God. To entangle is to wrap, to get confused. The world likes to entangle and confuse because if the world can entangle and confuse, they can pull you off of what God has for you, has for us individually and as members in the body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 10, this was a hard, this was hard for me because there was a point, and sometimes it still happens with me, that someone will say something and it becomes an offense to me. But when he sat me down this time and walked me through it this time, it was different for me. It, it, it spoke to me differently giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. Where there is grace, there's no cause for an offense. We've all received God's grace. If we, how do we get off on that? If I believe God's grace isn't for someone else, that's how we get off. God's grace is for everybody. He, he poured it out for the whole world. Otherwise, John 3.16 would have read differently. John 3.16 would have read, for God so loved this group, not the world. But it, didn't read, it doesn't read that way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then it becomes a personal choice to choose or reject the son, Jesus Christ. 
And that's where his wrath comes out eventually. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardship, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, and in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true. They said that Paul was a uh, deceiver, that he was an insignificant teacher, is what they said about Paul. And yet he was a true disciple of Jesus Christ. But that's how they maligned him. They were so vicious in their attacks of him. And it all came from jealousy because of where Paul had been brought from and to. And it wasn't average people. It was those who they took and stoned him to death outside the city and left him there for dead. Who? Those who were of Jewish background got riled up and they went to the crowd and they got everybody else riled up against Paul. And then they sought to kill him. And they took him outside the city gates and they stoned him to death and left him there for dead. But Paul didn't die. Paul got right back up, went back into the city and started preaching. Because when you know, see, we're sons and daughters of God, but we're also servants. When we know that we're a servant, what a servant does is they lay down their rights. You want to beat me? Go ahead and beat me. I'm still going to get up and preach the message. I'm still going to go out and deliver the message. That's what Paul's attitude was. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep moving forward. And that's what he's, he's talking about here. As unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. So he looked at them. They didn't have what these other people had. They didn't have riches. The riches that they had were the riches that were in Christ Jesus that no one could take. And so they considered them poor, but they weren't poor, but making many rich, rich with the things of God that don't fade, that don't pass away. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. They no longer wanted to hear the sound teaching of Paul but were impelled to turn away to many different teachers of novelty and untruth. Paul was in the time when it's not like of today, um, where they were saying there was, um, I'll, I'll mess up their names, but there were two that were speaking and telling people in the household of faith that the resurrection had already taken place. And they were upsetting the people in the faith. And Paul had to address it. Paul said, no, that's the doctrine of demons. Don't believe that. You haven't been resurrected yet. Because this is not my body. I, I will get a new body. And that's what Paul was dealing with. He was dealing with that Christ, um, 
wasn't God in the flesh. That was another lie that was going around. False doctrine. And Paul was telling Timothy, be aware because these false doctrines are out there. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Christ laid down his deity. It did not leave him. He could have called down angels at any point on his walk. Study it out for yourself. Find out the truth of what his word says. In 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in the last times for the sake of you. For through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Once again, Paul's trying to direct that, their, that people's faith and hope don't leave from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ and start to straggle off to follow these teachers. And they're not even going through and studying the word out to the, for themselves to find out if the teachers are lined up with this book, the book that is the truth. I'm not against anybody seeking out teachers. Seek out teachers. But check what they're teaching. Take it to his word. Find out if it lines up with this. If it doesn't, there needs to be some staying away from that. Because not everybody's out there seeking it out. They are strict. 2 Timothy 2, 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. A minister must adhere to the requirements of his calling making the word and the will of God their standard in all things. It doesn't matter to me what anybody else says. What matters to me is what the word says. And if I'm standing on the word and I'm standing on his truth, then I let God take care of the rest when the arrows start to fly. And that's what Paul's trying to train Timothy up into. Jeremiah 12, 5, if you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? When the armies really come, when the persecution really starts, if we can't run with the footmen now, how are we going to compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thickets of Jordan? See, they thought Paul had fallen down. Paul had not fallen down. Paul never gave up. He kept persevering through. He kept preaching the word, no matter how many people left him behind, no matter what. He stayed true to what God had given him to do. And that's what it is all about. Isaiah 49, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. O Zion is the mountain of grace. We know that in... Um, when Abraham and Sarah developed the plan, they, bore, they birthed Isaac. I mean, they birthed um, Ishmael. Ishmael was of the flesh. Isaac was God's plan, and that was of grace, because there's no way they could have had a child other than by the grace of God. And it's, it points to our walk. The law is representative of Mount Sinai and 
Mount Zion is representative of the covenant of grace and the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can't mix them. Otherwise, it's no longer the grace of God because the law drives the flesh, but grace drives the spirit. How do I know that? Hebrews 10, 28 through 31 says that those who trample upon the blood of Jesus Christ and insult the spirit of grace. Spirit of grace. It is by grace we have been saved. It's not my workmanship. It's God's workmanship in me. And I have no other way to boast on it except for Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's work in me. And that's the plain and simple part of it. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 10, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not in prison. For the reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with its eternal glory. The key phrase there is in Christ Jesus. You don't obtain any other way but in Christ, not apart from Christ. They are secure. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. His character is faith, for he is the author and perfecter of faith. That's his character. He cannot deny himself. When my faith is low, he still doesn't deny himself. When my faith is that of a mustard seed, he does not deny himself because he is faithful and true. He is who he says he is. He has done what he would say he would do. Galatians 3, 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And the icing on that is 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through, 5, 4 through 6. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God, who also makes us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I want to close with the charge. The charge is to preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, you know, because there will come a time when they can't, they don't want to hear sound doctrine. And it's bookmarked by the caution pearl of apostasy and protection from apostasy, a falling away from faith in Christ, a falling away back into a work base, a falling away back into saving self instead of in the one who paid it all for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. I encourage you to study this word, take it in parallel to cross with um, 1 Peter, let the Holy Spirit guide and lead you into what he has for you to see for such a time as this. And Abba Father, I come to you today thankful and grateful for this time, thankful and grateful for this opportunity, thankful and grateful that you are who you say you are, that you are faithful and true in and through it all. And most of all, I'm thankful and grateful for your only begotten son.
Jesus Christ. Amen and yes.